Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Hello everyone, Om Shanti and welcome to the next normal in collaboration with the America Meditating Radio. You know, I can't believe our meditation museums are still closed. (laughs) It's been over two years. I would have never thought that we would have been able to finance keeping our museums still thriving even after two years of closure. But I'm happy to say that on Saturdays, at least, we're now open from one to three. So please go to the meditation museums page and maybe sign up for one of the wonderful workshops that they're offering there free of charge. I hope you've been well, and as we go back to what they claim is normalcy, I would more like to coin it differently. I think we're going forward into some sort of abnormalcy. Accident rates are high. Suicide rates are high. Domestic violence. I don't want to make this a sad beginning, but let us not open up the world with a worse version of ourselves. Can we please not do that? Can we please take the last two years that we've had of introspection and differentness as our call to really wanting to show up and offer more to humanity than we ever had? A smile, a good gesture, good wishes, pure feelings to bless somebody. Can we just do that? We've been through so much as people, as a country. And if we can pause for just a little and bring the best of who we are to the world. My special guest today on The Next Normal is Christy Whitman. Christy Whitman is a New York Times bestselling author, transformational leader, and author. She has appeared on the Today Show, The Morning Show, and her work has been featured in People Magazine, Seventeen, Women's Day, Hollywood Life, among others. As the CEO and founder of the Quantum Success Coaching Academy, she offers a 12-month Law of Attraction Coaching Certification Program. Christy has helped thousands, I mean, thousands of people around the world to achieve their goals through her empowerment seminars, speeches, coaching sessions, products. Christy's life-changing message reaches over 125,000 people a month, and her work has been promoted by and featured with esteemed authors and luminaries such as our buddy, Marianne Williamson, the beautiful Dr. Wayne Dyer, Marcy Shimoff. Brian Tracy, Neil Donald Walsh, Abraham Hicks, to just name a few. Her most recent book is titled The Desire Factor, How to Embrace Your Materialistic Nature to Reclaim Your Full Spiritual Power. I love that, Chrissy. Chrissy, welcome to America Meditating and the Next Normal. I want us to get right into this because one of the things that I've observed with individuals who want to be spiritual is that they let go of everything material. And there's sometimes to me a little bit of an imbalance. But anyway, welcome and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Sister Jenna. I'm so happy to sit with you and be with you and to to serve with you. So thank you for having me. Lovely, lovely. You know, you've said that 
you went from being $60,000 in debt, 30 pounds overweight. Boy, do I know how that overweight feels. <laughs> and at a job that you really didn't feel happy in. And you attracted maybe the wrong kind of partners you know, to living a life filled with success, happiness, love, abundance. And now you're happy to say you found your soulmate. How did you do it? I learned about universal principles that exist for every single one of us. I literally was in a place where I was looking like most people do. We're trained to think if I just get the money, or if I just get the boyfriend, or I have that type of success, or I have that promotion, then I'll feel successful, happy, peaceful, whatever it is. And I reached a place where I achieved all those outer things at a young age and looked around and said, well, I checked off the list. How come I'm not happy? And that really got me soul searching. It was like this hunger inside of me to realize that there's got to be more to this. There's more to, the, to just making money or having job promotions or getting in and out of different relationships. And for me, it was learning that we do attract and create our own reality. And so I became a student. I became a seeker. And one of the first things that happened is I learned how to meditate. And that was the first time for me that I could slow myself down enough and realize that there's something so much more to me than just this personality that goes out and achieves and desires and, you know, accomplishes things. And when I started to slow down and pay attention to what's breathing me and the love that exists within me, everything started changing in my reality. So. So it was interesting when you decided to meditate and do some soul searching, what did you bump into when you went inside? Well, first of all, I didn't realize how negative I was. Because something happened between the filter of my brain and my mouth. Because I remember saying to my best friend who's known me since seventh grade, I said, Dawn, I'm so negative. Because I started paying attention to my thoughts. And she goes, no, you're not. You're one of the most positive, bubbly people I know. And I thought, well, that's interesting. How I present myself to the world is different than what I'm discovering within myself. Because I could walk by a mirror and I could cut my down and you know, criticize myself within 10 seconds. You know, my butt's not this, my, I'm too short. I'm all these different, very critical, very demeaning thoughts that I would say. And when I started paying attention, it was like, it wasn't just about me. I would think those thoughts about my parents, about the car next to me driving in traffic. I mean, I was in a boxing ring with God, you know, it was like, I could do it better and arguing for my limitations. And as soon as I just let myself hear these thoughts. And I realized, and I became aware that, wait, I'm not my thoughts. These thoughts are coming from an old belief system. And I started to really put together that there's a different mindset. There's an abundance mindset. And then there's a lack mindset. And that lack always feels bad, where abundance always feels good. And that when I was in that place of meditation and I can connect to that feeling of abundance, I felt expanded. I felt like, wow, there's pure potentiality to be, to have, to do whatever I desired. But when I was coming from those limited thoughts and I believed those limited thoughts and those thoughts became emotions and it created this momentum that carried me off into this, you know, this space of feeling bad, I started looking at what thought created that? What belief yeah. created that? And how can I shift that for getting myself out of lack and into abundance? And that became my work. 
And it was about five years in doing that, my own practice and applying this to every you know, relationship, applying it to my career, applying it to my body, to every aspect of my life. Five years in, I was at my ideal body. I gotten out of $60,000 in debt and swung the other way and had money in the bank. I had a career that I enjoyed. I wasn't crazy passionate over the top about it, but I at least enjoyed it. And I was married to a really wonderful man, a man that I never would have considered dating before because I used to say I liked the bad boys. He was a good guy. So everything had shifted. And it was around that time that my first book literally downloaded through me in the middle of the night. I was woken up with a voice at 105 in the morning and it was like something was talking and I was paying attention going, wow, that's exactly what I need to hear for what I'm going through. I got up and started writing and I was writing and writing and writing for hours. And then this happened seven nights in a row. And it was a nudge to get the book published. And so I remember seeing a speaker. She was a minister named Terry Cole Whitaker. She was a, very much a thought leader and New York Times bestselling author. And I remember watching her on stage and I thought, wow, she's got so much passion. Like, where does all that passion come from? And I, I want to have that level of passion. I don't have that. So how do I do that? And what I knew to be true then, and I still teach about that, is that if we are perceiving anything that we are not feeling or experiencing in our lives, everything first starts with energy. So even though I didn't have a career I was passionate about, if I cultivated that energy of being passionate or being on purpose, is what the two things for me that I felt were lacking or missing, that passion, that purpose, that's what I started cultivating and feeling and imagining and, you know, visualizing. And then within a month, this is when my book came through me. And so I contacted her and I said, I think I'm writing a book. How do you get a book published? And she told me, go online and find a literary agent. I literally typed online and this man's picture popped up and this is, you know, 20 years ago. So the internet now is not what it was back then. And I submitted my book. He accepted it. And my friends and family bought the book. They were not the target audience for this. They all thought I'd lost my mind talking about energy and law of attraction and, you know, creating your own reality. And so I started speaking in spiritual bookstores and churches. And that's when I was introduced to life coaching because people would say, oh, will you coach me? Are you a coach? And my frame of reference back then was like a cheerleading coach or a football coach, right? Like an athletic coach. And so I said, no, I'm not a coach, but call me and I'll start taking you through processes. So I started taking them through what I was understanding and I was listening for where they were in lack or limitation and help them shift their mindset and their energy on being more in abundance. And then they started coming back to me with like amazing results and I just loved it. So I continued mm -hmm. to pursue that. And here I am 20 years later. I've had my own online business for 15 years, you know, multi-million dollar business. I have an absolute passion for what I do. It's the greatest thing when someone comes to me and says, oh my gosh, I got out of debt or I found the person or I lost the weight or I healed this thing. And it is just such an honor and a blessing to be able to do this. And I'm married to a man of my dreams for 15 years now. And it's all because I changed my energy, my mindset, my consciousness from one of lack and limitation scarcity, drama, chaos, separation, and came into the fullness of who I really am by connecting through meditation. That was my first way in. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because we are energy and 
we've come here on the earth with energy to act out a particular part. Each of us have a very specific role to play. No two people can really be the same as much as they try to be the same they can't. There's always going to be one here out of place. You know, something is just going to be different with the other person. But, you know, this whole thing of trying to understand and master energy where you can actually manifest the kind of existence or life that you dream about or you think that you should walk into. And I loved when you basically said, and it's something that I'm actually investigating still today, why is it that majority of us actually have to hit the lowest point of our lives to ricochet and go into something much greater than where we were before? And I'm not sure if that's also one of the universal laws of nature or of energy that you kind of have to go like this. If this is a part of the journey, we talk about the spiral, we talk about, you know, the ascension, but it just seems as if when energy just can't get any lower for us in our particular way of existing, that deep internal look and investigation with honesty and strength and courage to ask the self the right questions, like you were asking, what was it that you were believing in that made you think that you deserve to be 30 pounds overweight, you deserve to get the bad guy, you deserve to be, you know, in a job that you don't like, because it's trying to at least pay some of the bills and the debt has just got you down. What is it that makes the soul believe in such a vibrational frequency of energy for a while, until it can't go there anymore? And my phone has been acting up lately, and it's because it has too much data in it. And I was looking at it, and every time I try to upload a picture or a video on it, it says storage full, you know, go to settings. And so I look at it, and I go to settings, and it says I basically have to delete some of the programs that I have. And I go, I don't want to. I don't want to delete them. There are too many memories there. But then the phone says, but if you don't, I can't work for you. Right. And so just imagine the interpretation and the consciousness that you deleted 15 years ago when those five years of your real inner work was taking place. It's powerful. And I guess it brought you to your book, The Desire Factor that you write. And you said desire is the force behind every act of creation and it is the mechanism through which everything in this boundless spiritual universe is made manifest into physical and tangible form. But the true gift is not in acquiring our desires. You said this. It is the people we become in the process of allowing our desire to move through us. Please preach, preach, preach on this one. <laughs> Well, you know, what happens, I love that. When we get a desire, where does that desire come from? Where does that even, that idea, it, we're the receiver, it comes from the giver. And so when we get this idea and we go, oh, I love that, I desire that, we already feel that moment of expansion. That's a moment of expansion that we are connecting because expansion is connection with the divine. And so when we feel that we're in alignment, but it's the mind that then goes, well, I don't know how to do that. Maybe someone's already done that. Who am I to do that? I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too this. I'm too that. I'm not enough. We go into the limited programmed mind and we start telling ourselves all the reason why we can't do something and we constrict, right? And we're not having that 
expansion come through us. But as we follow that expansiveness, whatever that desire may be, that's what grows us. It's that life-giving energy that's within us. So even when we take the first step, you know, it may not lead to the exact thing that we need to do. I talk about this in the book, just to even publish the desire factor. You know, I had two other books that hit the New York Times. This is my seventh book. I've had a long history of writing books for 20 years. And I had two literary agents that were literally like, I can't publish, I can't help you with your book because we're not going to get a six-figure advance. And I'm like, I didn't ask for, I mean, that'd be great, but I didn't ask for six figures. That's not the goal here. The goal is to get this information out. This book needs a home. And they were just almost like robotic saying the same thing. And these are the two literary agents that worked with me before and wanted to work with me again. But it was like, there was almost like a program that came in and I was like, what is happening here? Why is this? And the minute I just opened up, because I had this desire to complete and put the desire factor out there because people needed to hear it and hear the messages and hear the steps and how to manifest what they want. And yes, for the manifestation, but more for who you become in the process of the manifestation. And so I had to literally surrender. It's one of the principles in the book. I had to surrender my idea of it's going to be published with these two literary agents. And I had to go back to the drawing board and just become an open vessel for, okay, we're co-creating this. You gave me this desire. You gave me the wisdom that's in the desire factor. It's my desire factor to get the desire factor published. Show me the way. I've done everything that I could from my perspective of what I know and my knowledge. Show me the way. And it was amazing because the amount of synchronicities that happened just in moments and even days after that, the divine gave us that idea. So the divine has the better way. And a lot of times we think, oh, I got to do it this way, that way, that way. And it's something we've never created before. So if our minds know only a certain way, it doesn't know the how to get something else created. And that's where we have to know that we are co-creating this life, not just even the desire, we're creating this life. We are an individualized expression of the divine. And as you were saying, Sister Jenna, it's like none of us are the same. And so yeah. that unique expression that is me and my work is different from somebody else's unique expression that is theirs and their work. So let me jump in here. What are some of the misconceptions that people do have about desires? And just it might be a spiritual thing and I'm not declaring it as real. I've heard, do I believe it? But any desire that I have, is it something that's coming from within the soul that's lacking, that it feels it has to get in order to fulfill it again, one? Secondly, is a desire that is emerging in my consciousness an attachment to an unfulfilled experience of the past, which again goes back to lack, or is the purest form of desire, the vision, which no one can stop, and the vision will keep pulling me forward. What are your thoughts and understandings of desire? Well, it's all three, because even when someone is in a limited space, right? Say someone has a desire for something because they think they're going to be more loved, or they're going to be approved of, right? That desire to go for that thing, that house, that material object, that you know, accomplishment, whatever it was, it's still going to grow them. They're going to learn something. They're going to work really hard to achieve that desire. And at the end of it, they might be like, 
I mean, that's what happened to me. On many occasions, I thought, well, you know, if I become a New York Times bestselling author, then I will have, you know, and I had this idea that I would be more than what I am. Maybe I would be accepted or loved more than I was. It was a desire that I had to be the best, to have, you know, credibility to all of this, to be the best for me, not to be the best out there. But, and I remember the moment when my book hit the New York Times, my children, one and a half and two and a half, they were in a double stroller and I was at the mall and I got the call and I said, oh, mommy became a New York Times bestselling author. And they both looked at me like, okay, nothing changed. The parade did not go through my house, but that idea that I had that desire would finally make me something, would give me more love, acceptance, that was an opportunity for me to create that desire. But I realized, wow, that didn't do it for me. That was an awakening where I almost felt depressed afterwards mm. because I thought this was going to be the thing that would finally make it, finally be, finally, you know, once again. Yeah, yeah. And that desire made me realize, it helped me grow, that it's like, wow, it's not that. It's internal. It's a connection. So even yeah. that desire that was coming from more of a, someone might, might say shallow or some might may say superficial or, you know, something that could have been an I was coming from lack myself and then I desired it. I still grew in the process of attaining that desire. So all desires have the potential, whatever motivation they come from. But what you said, your third option, the vision, exactly. Yeah, is it and, the vision that's really pulling you and not the desire? Yes. So yeah, it's, it's an it's interesting that, way of looking at it, right? Yeah, it is. Because when yeah. we are in lack and we feel we desire something, we think the desire will fulfill us in some way. But when you're Or not even that, if we're coming from a place of lack, it could also attract obstacles and challenges, you know, because it's the intent or the energy of lack. It's almost counterproductive. You want this, but you, I, I don't deserve it. You know, there are some like doubts, fears, behaviors that you also talk about that hold people back from abundance. Could you identify what those are for us? Because I'm sure many of us, as we, you know, move into this new paradigm of existence, we want abundance. What are some of the subconscious thoughts that hold us back from attracting an enormous amount of wealth? Well, number one is that we don't deserve, that we're not worthy, that we're not significant, that we're not important. It all comes from we're not enough. I'm not good enough the way I am. I'm not infinitely loved or adored the way I am. I don't feel connected. I feel separate from. So it's that idea of I'm separate from this thing, this desire that I have. So I have to go get the desire to feel that I'm connected to it. Premise. The minute we feel separated by something, and that's what contrast is. We could look at something and say, I don't have this, therefore I want this. But one of the principles in the desire factor is the principle of having. The energy already exists. So if we're noticing we're in a place of contrast, lacking something that we want, and we understand that energy that the divine is all providing is all sourced, then all we'd have to do, much like I did in my career where I didn't feel passion and purpose, but I started to cultivate that. I started realizing, wait, the energy of passion and purpose isn't something I need to go get or attain outside of me. It already exists as an energetic frequency that I can tap into because 
treasure chest is above us. It's all filled with all the vibrations and frequencies of any emotion or feeling I ever want to experience. So when I tap into that feeling and I make it more of my set point, I'm creating more momentum. Now I start to create things. And in my case, it was a career that matched that level of passion and purpose. But when we stay stuck in, I'm lonely, but I want a partner, right? We're like, the desire is I want a partner. I remember one time I was coaching this woman. She goes, okay, I've got it all together. I know what he looks like. I know what I will do together. I know what I'll feel like, you know, where is he? I've been waiting for so long. And I said, well, it's the underlying energy. You're noticing, you're impatient. You're noticing you don't have him. And the reason you don't have him, it keeps pushing away is because you're in a place of lack. You're not okay and connected by yourself. And I was telling her before I met my husband, Frederick, I really wanted to have a partner, someone that I could, you know, create my life with and create a history yeah. with. And I had to stop and say, what is it? What do I think that that relationship is going to fulfill in me? And for me, it was love and connection. So yeah. Before he ever showed up, I cultivated loving myself and connecting with myself because I was coming from a place of fulfillment. I am now a vibrational match to that, which also then adds, it's not like he's my source. I'm already sourced, but he adds to that. Right, right. Well, I like what you said. It's underlying factor that's really at work here. And I think you hit it on the nail when we look at our level of worthiness and we might not tell the world that we are not feeling worthy even though we're dressing in our Dolce Gabbanas and wearing our Rolexes and our Pradas and, you know, the shoes with the red soles or what have you. But inside, what is the soul feeling? It doesn't really feel that it deserves us. And imagine the kind of internal consistent work that will be required to break that habit and that behavior, because it's going to be a big thing for us to get to that point of feeling my worth, my worthiness. You know, I call that in Raj Yoga meditation, soul consciousness, and that when I'm so conscious, I begin to recognize my worth as a soul on the planet and the work that I have to do. But I wanted you to talk about those seven universal principles that you have in the book or the tapping into that divine energy stream that is the source of all the things. You know, what are these principles? So first of all, I wanted to say what you just said to tie that up in a bow, what I've always felt and what I've learned and what I know from my, you know, the quantum council that I channel is that the soul is already totally complete. The soul only knows love. So it's the connection with the personality. It's the, is the personality tapping into and connecting with that soul that already is in that fulfillment of love that wanted to come down and experience a body because it wanted to express more love. It wanted to grow in love. The soul are, it vibrates in that space, but it's the personality with the programming and the imprint, you know, the traumas and things that we've gone through that we feel that separation from our soul. And I believe that that's where the healing truly begins with an individual person when they're more in tune with their soul and less in tune with their personality. I mean, we need our personalities. Everybody was given a personality. Everything mm -hmm. here... Everything here is gifted, right? There's a reason and a purpose for all of it. And so a lot of times people say, oh, kill the ego. 
well, the ego is the personality. We all have different gifts and talents and skills. And like we were saying, each of us is uniquely different. The divine loves that because it's creating uniquely and individually through everybody that's different. The part that we want to let go of is the limited parts of us, the traumatic parts of us, the parts that are wounded. And that's by returning back to the soul self. And that's by returning back to the divine connection. And that's yeah. what the first principle is. That's alignment. So yeah. when we can align with what we desire, but what the source of that desire is, that's the first step in actually feeling expanded and feeling good. I have to say, even on my spiritual journey, I'm not somebody who proselytizes much. I like to be in a space more of learning than sort of, you know, telling people this is what I know, even though sometimes I do. But I just feel that I don't know if it's subtle or quiet or maybe it's loud. I don't know. It depends on where you are. But have you been feeling this? deeper awakening to a connection to the divine. Absolutely. Yeah, like it's calling you home to reconnect. And I'm not talking about a religious divine. I'm talking about just divine energy that is so pure and empowering that you need this energy in your life. And for the life of me, I'm not quite sure why when I hear souls, you know, shooting up schools or, you know, doing the crazy, like what's wrong with the connection? You know, where did we lose that connection to source that would make us find ourselves not in the personality, but more in the soul awareness, in the the sentientness of the soul, the true integrity and presence of the soul? What do you think made us so disconnected from source? Well, it is that misalignment. That's why alignment is really the key, because when someone comes back into alignment, they won't do those horrible things. They are not going to be, I mean, when you're in alignment with source, you feel love, you feel supported, you feel protected, you feel abundant and really feeling it, not just as a concept, but really that deep connection. When you're feeling like that, you want to give, you want to be in service and not at the expense of let me give everything. So I'm depleted. It's a very balanced give and receive. It's a deep connection. And those that do, and we we're all human, Anytime I've had impatience or anytime I've lost my own, you know, temper, I've always can look back and go, I was so out of alignment. You know, I was judgmental. I was stuck in my own limitations. I was stuck in my own trauma. I was stuck in my own pain, even situations with my husband through a 15 year and still going strong, you know, relationship, things that happened in our earlier relationships, when they come up, there's a wound there. So there's a bit of a high alert that doesn't bring me into a place of faith and trust, I'm back into that wounded part of me. And knowing that I have to then come back in alignment and heal that part. There's so many people that are unaware that they're even in pain and they're doing these things because they're unaware that they are supported or protected. They feel they have to fend for themselves and they believe in lack so much that they feel that the only way to get what they want is to steal or pilgrimage or, you know, whatever it is. And so they're totally out of alignment, but the key to all of it is this first step and the first principle and the desire factor is coming back into alignment with the truth of who we really are. Because when we do that, and even if our personalities start to worry, 
or we get in fear or we get in doubt, coming back into alignment is the key to really feeling that deeper connection. And that's where, you know, when the pandemic, when lockdown happened almost two years ago, I said to the council, I'm like, what gives? What's this about? And they said, it's an amplification time, meaning Mm -hmm. we all have stuff that we either worry about or we concern ourselves with or we're afraid of, or, you know, it might be a situation. I mean, think about that. Someone that is lonely and really, really wanting a partner, they live alone. Now they're alone, locked in their house, not to see anybody else. That's going to amplify some stuff. And there were a lot of people that started looking at, okay, what am I doing and what can I do differently? How can I feel that I'm not alone so that I can connect where there were other people that got amplified. Maybe they were in a relationship that they didn't like, or they were questioning now they're locked in that relationship with that person. Right. And they're realizing this isn't the person. This isn't it. Yeah. 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 And many many of those cases. Yeah. And they were afraid of money. And then what happened? They lost their jobs. Whatever was coming up and has been under the surface came up to look at. And fortunately, there were a lot that said, okay, I need to look at this. But there are a lot of other people that started drinking more and eating more and smoking more and, you know, whatever more, doing the things that suppress their traumas to suppress what was coming up for them. They went even further out of alignment. But fortunately, there's a lot that are coming back in alignment because they know that what they're doing or what they have been doing isn't working, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's, I got to do something different. And that's yeah. really coming into alignment. A lot of people, I mean, started meditating. Mm-hmm. Well, you didn't have a choice. You right. had to meditate. You had so much quiet moment. What are you grateful for right now in your life? Oh, so much, so much. I mean, I am so grateful that I get to do what I get to do in, in my life and and the passion, the purpose that I feel that I have every single day, whether I'm doing an interview or about to do a healing event or help someone go from lack to abundance. I'm so deeply grateful for the guidance that I have and the support that I have. And then the knowledge, when I started channeling the council, one thing that I really got was that I'm really loved. Mm -hmm. All, All of us are. Because the council always signs off by saying you are infinitely loved. And I was getting glimpses of that where it's like, wow, it's not because I'm this or that or this or that, that I'm not loved. I am loved infinitely. And I'm grateful for that connection. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I could go on and on with my kids and my (laughs) husband and, you know, my friends and my body and, you know, all of that. But you're just grateful, period. And period. And, you know, congratulations. And I think that's where we all need to just be right now. We need to be in the vortex of gratefulness because we're still breathing. That means we still have a second chance. That means who knows that phone call could come to change my life forever and take me to the top. You know, one never knows. Christy Whitman, you're such a refreshing breath of air. Thank you so much. And it's been our absolute delight to have had you on air today. Really, it's just been beautiful, beautiful. Could you, by chance, just leave us with a website if anyone in our audience would like to reach out to you and, you know, get some of this infectious intoxication? I would love to. So you can actually go to watchyourwords.com. It's a 30-day free video program that will get you started in the work that I do. So it's watchyourwords.com or you can go to christywhitman.com. 
Thank you so much, Christy. It's been a delight. (laughs) All right, everyone. You must have taken so much from Christy's jewel of wisdom, wealth of knowledge, tips for the road, so many nuggets that you could pull from to just get you out of the hole if you happen to be in one. Or if you feel like you're about to get into one, there's something that Christy said that has helped you up. You know, nowadays, you have to look more in the world behind your eyes. You've got to live more from there. You know, what are you feeling? What are you thinking? What are you going through? As Christy said, well, what is it that you started to believe in that you think is just not working for you anymore? Think on these things and break the chains of feeling that you're not good enough, you're not worthy enough, or you don't deserve the best. I hope you've enjoyed our show today. As we close off every time, remember no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And I suspect that as we navigate forward, we are really here to love each other the same. Don't forget to get your copy of Meditation, Intimate Experiences with the Divine through Contemplative Practices by yours truly on Amazon. Let's make that also another number one. Take good care and be well. Meditation intimate experiences with the divine through contemplative practices my new book that is out on amazon barnes and noble and you can get it from sacred storage publishing or on america meditating radio the quieter you become the more you're able to hear one of my opening pages of this book i have heard time and time again that when you go into the stories and the narratives of the 37 authors that are sharing with you their mystical experiences of the divine, something in you changes. It has already reached number one three times in mysticism category and the New Age category for new releases. I want you to get a copy for yourself and tell me what you feel as a result of closing that final page of this book. Meditation. Intimate experiences with the divine through contemplative practices. It's calling you. Can you hear it? Restaurant located at 6838 Piedmont in Gainesville, Virginia. We're a family owned restaurant and offer authentic Asian cuisine and sushi. Come savor our delicacies made with love and enjoy the perfect ambiance. We look forward to seeing you there. I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.